0: Your will <small noise>
1: Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. I'm Jeff Wagner, and as always, joined by my co-host, Biscuit. Do you want to tell the tale?
0: I I, I I think we should probably provide a little context.
1: I've known Hunter for 20 years, and uh, I, I was <laughs> thankfully got to see you again this year when you and the band you're in, Canvas Solaris, were in Winston Salem putting the finishing touches on the long-awaited new album Chromosphere, which is, by the way, really, really incredible stuff. And I would I tell you if it was shit, and, and it, I, it is. I know not, you would. It is not. But anyway, you guys had some time. You you came to Greensboro uh, the next day and you, Nate and myself hung out all day. We had a fantastic time and we went to breakfast the next morning before you guys left. And I heard something about you that I'd never known before, and, which and actually
0: is kind of shocking that you've never Yeah, heard it before.
1: is. I thought I thought I knew everything, but I'd never heard this story before. And, and, and uh, this was about your nickname, Biscuit.
0: So when I was a little kid and by the way. Uh, my enthusiasm for biscuits has continued over the years. It, is, it has been abated by nothing. Life experience, time, nothing. I love biscuits just about as much as I love my daughter. Just about as much. <laughs> so when I was a little kid, my um, my aunt and my grandmother, they would make these little sort of like half-dollar biscuits. They were tiny. And they were super delicious. They were also portable. And I used to – I'm look, I'm from – this little backwater in Georgia called Statesboro. And when I was growing up, there was probably like, I don't know, maybe 10,000 people in this town. So I wore overalls a lot. It was de rigueur for the fashionable young toddler to wear overalls. (laughs) And, you know, conveniently overalls have lots of pockets and, you know, you don't know when you're going to get hungry. And back then the world was a less convenient place. So, all things considered, I would stuff biscuits into my multiple pockets on my overalls, and when hungry, would pull one out and nosh a little bit. And I adopted the nickname Biscuit,
1: and, and I went twenty years of knowing you without knowing this.
0: <laughs> well, until you saw me. Well, I mean, we, dude, we have had to have eaten. We've eaten multiple biscuits together. Oh, we've eaten I that back that. in the day. We've bakery. Be, in we've the eaten bank. our fucking body weight in biscuits over the years, yeah. Biscuitville. Back in the day bojangles we we eat a lot of biscuits but for some reason this never came up right um, <laughs> so anyway i'm glad that the, you know that the the truth has been revealed
1: that is some huckleberry finn shit right there man <laughs> like, I, just, I think it's pretty cute actually i, I can just picture a little hunter with the bibs
2: pulling at
1: an opportune moment i have
0: actual photographic evidence of this oh, uh, well we you know my mom moved recently down to savannah so when we start unpacking boxes, I will uncover this photo and we will post it to the Radical Research site.
1: We absolutely will. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so before we get on with the, uh, the episode at hand, episode 39, I want to play you a little something. Why don't you try to identify it? Let's go.
0: Hmm. <laughs> loud, <Yeah>. blast? <laughs> loud Blast?
1: Loud Blast. <laughs> but you, you knew it was Loud Blast because <laughs> that last weekend I was with you. You're, looking you're,
0: you're about to reveal
1: the depths of my sad nerdiness. Well, we did it on episode 5.5 with the whole nuclear death kiss thing. That was pretty crazy. This one's almost equally as crazy <laughs> because I, we were in my car and uh, Nate's in the back, Hunter's in the passenger seat, and I had Loud blast Sublime Dementia in the car. And I wanted to play it for you, and I didn't want to tell you what it was. I figured you'd know it pretty quickly, but not as quickly as what you guys. <laughs> have done. It literally was that one first chord in the first song and you guys were both loud blast like <laughs> i mean literally just the one note like name that tune one note you got loud blast i mean who the fuck does that
0: i, I i'm telling you man 1993 is a religion <laughs> i guess so man. <laughs> nate and i have devoted our lives to one year so we, we, we know here well. that you're well.
1: That's what I'm trying to underscore here. That's This is very clear. It's it's just pathetic. Well,
0: man. It, it is pathetic. <laughs> no, it, it is. I, I Trust me. I, I, cried, I cry myself to sleep at night.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on with it. Uh, let, let's get down to brass tacks here, boys. Um, this episode is about the In the Woods family tree. We'll likely get into an In the Woods episode itself. That band is a band that we worship greatly. I, I don't think that's... Um, putting things in in too much hyperbole. You know, 1993 to 2000 in the woods is a really special handful of albums, demos, and and singles that both Hunter and I hold on an extremely high pedestal. They and most of the folks we'll discuss this episode hail from or around Christensen, Norway. I want to get that out there. The fifth largest city in Norway, sitting at the southernmost tip of the country. But the reason we're going to do the In the Woods family tree is I just kind of started noticing that some of our listening this year was touching on a lot of bands that have a direct relation to In the Woods. And I've always known they had a pretty prolific family tree. You know, things like Drawn and Green Carnation and this thing that you introduced me to actually fairly recently, Still Uproar. Am I saying that correctly? Uh,
0: still a Uproar?
1: Still a Uproar. Um,
0: hey, look, so this episode, My Norwegian my yeah. pronunciation's pretty far off anyway, so
1: yeah I think I think we, we invite
0: uh, anyone who has a more familiar relationship with that record to always correct us
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> we we try our best we love the country but we uh we need we try we our need, best need to learn the language a little a little more but yeah, this episode we're gonna look at uh those three bands as well as transit and one called Nervair. uh we'll explain everything as we go along.
0: this episode kind of gets. Um, right to the the heart of why we started this to begin with, to talk about Norwegian post black metal, and In the Woods is you know really one of the pivotal figures in that entire. I, I guess you'd call it a movement. It it is to me, um, yeah, yeah it's to us, and yeah. So I mean, In the Woods is such a critical player in that, and um, we just thought it was appropriate that we would talk about all this other very meaningful and and very worthwhile music that has come out of the family tree of In the Woods or formed the family tree of In the Woods.
1: All these bands are really interesting and great uh, on their own. But um, I think if you listen to the depth and the variety uh, of these five acts that we're going to display here, I think it says a lot about In the Woods themselves, too.
0: Oh, totally. Oh, I mean, yeah. I you know, I, I think once we're done with this episode and we play all the music that is associated with it, I think anyone who's not familiar with In the Woods or is not familiar with these bands will see, because to me, this reflects the vastness of the In the Woods vision to begin with. You know, totally. this this reveals all of those hidden impulses inside of In the Woods. Maybe music that they just didn't have a chance to explore. You know, and the you know due to time and you know the mortality of of uh, bands. Well, I,
1: it, we're also going to show the personalities because we've got yeah. uh, the Botary brothers, the twins uh, on a couple of these things. We've got a guy named Christer Andre Sederberg on a couple. Very, very important guy in this whole thing. And, of course, uh, Jan Kenneth Transeth, the uh, vocalist for In the Woods, figures into a couple of these as well, uh, along with a few other people. So, you know, they had a really... They had a really creative root uh, in the woods. They had a lot of people who were like giving to In the Woods that made it the true collective that it was. Uh, yeah, and, right. And made it the artistic success that it was as well. The only thing I want to say before we jump in, too, is that um, In the Woods came back a couple of years ago. And it was with Anders Cobro, the drummer, a uh, great drummer. And he was in the entire... Uh, run from 93 to 2000 and also the, uh, the Boatery twins X and CM as they're known, the Boatery brothers, the twins on guitars and bass respectively. And they have a guy named Mr. Fogg, uh, AKA James Fogarty in the band. Who's now the singer, decent guy. I mean, very creative individual from the UK. He's led bands like AV kite who uh, from 1997 to the present have released a ton of interesting and weird albums. Uh, He was in old forest. Uh, he was in The Bombs of Enduring Freedom. He was also in The Meads of Asphodel for a while. So um, really interesting character. Cool. Uh, I just, you know, we we don't really care for uh, the entirety of the New in the Woods thing, basically. It felt strange to me. It looked strange. And uh, it ultimately sounded strange when I listened to uh, the first album they released, which I think was called Pure. I don't care for it. I didn't care for the follow-up either. And at this point, Andres Cobra was the only original member uh, from in the woods, in this current in the woods. I'm not trying to slam the current in the woods. It just doesn't figure into our thinking here at all. Um, I think Hunter and I both have a hard time identifying and enjoying I the I felt current.
0: very, very distant from it.
1: Me too. It just did, didn't feel like it was con- continuing. It, it had no semblance or really much connection to the old stuff. Totally. Uh, it was kind of disappointing. I, you know, again, I don't want to knock them around. Good luck to them. But are um, In the Woods is 93 to 2000 primarily. And this is the In the Woods family tree. We are going to start with Green Carnation. And now this is a band that arguably have become even more popular than In the Woods. Uh, really the only example of that on this episode, right?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: They were started as a vehicle for ex-emperor basis Chort, a.k.a. I'm going to slaughter his name too, Teria Vick Shai. And the band's first demo and first album featured three key members from In the Woods, the Botry Brothers, on Guitars, and CM on bass, and drummer Andres Cobro. By the second album, Light of Day, uh, the Botry Brothers were out. Cobro remained. Uh, We got a little bit of backing vocals from Jan Kenneth Transeth, the singer for In the Woods. And we're going to start by listening to a track from the first album and a track from Light of Day, Day of Darkness together. And we'll discuss Upon Our Return. What's that? So there we have one snippet each from the first two Green Carnation albums. Uh, The first one was from a song called My Dark Reflections of Life and Death. It's pretty heady. Um, From Journey to the End of the Night from 2000. I'm not sure if anyone noticed, but uh, in that lyric, uh, they say light of day, day of darkness. So uh, I suppose they already knew that they were going to do that and uh, name their second album, Light of Day, Day of Darkness. Who knows? But um, indeed, we heard a snippet from the 60-minute-long one-song album, Light of Day, Day of Darkness from 2001. Now, when that first album came out, I think, like most people probably, we got it because either you know, Chort had been an emperor, and that was always an interesting thing. And then, of course, the In the Woods links. And uh, my take on it then, as it is now, is that it's just a too long album. It's just too many sequences that just go nowhere. Many of the songs aren't really built of like interesting enough stuff where you can justify the length. So um, there's good stuff there. It's just not an album that I look on all that fondly. Of course, if you listen to it as a practice run for the album that was to come, then it becomes quite interesting. I remember when... It's funny
0: that you should say that because that's actually sort of been my attitude toward that album um, since then. Like somehow, (laughs) despite all of its imperfections, Light of Day... Almost validated it, you know. You like when Lightyear came out. I saw it in a different light. Sure. Uh, anyway.
1: Yeah, no, nice yeah, pun. Anyway, no, but I get I get like, your yeah, meaning. I actually-
0: you know, it it all of a sudden that mishmash of ideas started to make a little sense. It was like, okay, well they've they've got the ideas, they just don't have the wherewithal to put them together in any sort of meaningful way
1: yet. And they did on light of day, of course, and and which is just um, about perfect, yes, I remember hearing about that album and the concept behind it that it was going to be this like one long sixty minute song. I don't think it's even segmented on the c d as you know different parts they they went all the way with just like yeah the one, no it's
0: it's it's one yeah, it's one track the on one long song, TV, yeah.
1: but I remember hearing about that before you know actually hearing the music and going oh god you know this band who kind of gave us this mishmash sort of disappointing mess of an album are going to do this really and then it comes out and you take your first listen and you're like oh they totally figured out arrangement they totally figured out songwriting and this is nothing short of a masterpiece i don't like to use that word often but it is
0: do you know how i heard about this record
1: let me guess metal Maniacs.
0: Uh, let me guess no (laughs) <laughs> pri- pri- private press Jeff Wagner, son, because I got that hookup. Y'all waiting for them playlist? I get them shits in email form, son.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's how. Okay.
0: So right. around, I don't know why we were corresponding or why you, I don't even remember what you sent me, but you sent me some kind of care package around Christmas 2001.
1: And well, that would have been very early on in our friendship. Yeah. So yeah. I guess we were, yeah.
0: But anyway, like you, you sent a letter that accompanied it. And, um, at the bottom of the letter, you put a playlist and it had a mm. number of things on it, but this album was at the top. I don't even think it was out yet, and um, you were like and it got its official release in o two, right?
1: Well, I don't know, I guess I'll have to check that I, I
0: don't I think that it like the it was it came out as a promo in o one um but it okay. was gonna be it was slated for an official two thousand two release, and I remember okay. you captioned it and you said. Album of the year, 2002, because nothing yep. can beat this. And I was yep. just like, holy shit.
1: I'll have to look back on my I saved my annual best of list. I'll have to look well, back. But that have...
0: beat, well, um, the first Dead Boy album beat it. But that was it for you. For
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. those, those were two learned. big ones for 2002. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, amazing album. I, I feel kind of dirty having to split that up for our podcast. You know, it's just, it, it really... Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, there's a purpose to what we do and, and why we they do They will that. just
0: play the album and that'll be it.
1: In tribute to it, for sure, yeah. Maybe on its uh, 20th. We won't, we won't even talk. It's 20th anniversary yeah. in 2022. Anyway, you know, that album kind of effectively ended that phase for the band because the music to come would be quite different, uh, a lot more accessible and approachable, right?
0: Oh, I mean, for I, like when I first heard Blessing in Disguise, I was completely taken aback. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't believe how condensed it was. I mean, there were echoes of almost mainstream metal.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I, you know, when, when the opener Crushed to Dust comes in, and I think that's one of my favorite Green Carnation songs, I think that's a fantastic song, super well-written, super effective. Yeah, it is. Um, hits all the right buttons emotionally. Uh, but I remember hearing that and getting to know that album first, and after my initial disappointment, I just came to love that album. I still do. It's got a terrible cover, but what, what do terrible. you do?
2: Terrible terrible,
0: like, <laughs> like Siege is even terrible you know?
1: Right, but but I tell you, um, Crush to Dust to me was always a song where like okay, now this is what Metallica should have done on load, like this would have been an acceptable version yeah. of Metallica. If they had written songs in this vein, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a stretch. Crushed to Dust could have been that great sort of mainstream Metallica song. Right. Instead, it was owned by Green Carnation. I think Green Carnation have done some other songs later in their career that are like that. One of those is The Burden Is Mine Alone, mm. which um, is just a soft acoustic ballad that that works so hard on me. It's bro- and, yeah, that's,
0: I, that's one of their best songs.
1: Right. Oh, it's incredible. And in a perfect world, that's a perfect world scenario song where this also would have been huge. You well, know? That would
0: that would have been like a more than words, you know?
1: Right. right. It, it should have been. Right. Should have
0: been. It, it was good for one song <laughs> because, you know, they were, you know, foray into the all acoustic thing. Not so successful.
1: Yeah, I don't care for that album. Acoustic verses, right? Yeah, Yeah. I was excited um, about
0: it because of The Burden Is Mine, but it really sure. fell short of the mark.
1: I agree with you. In this era, katil Nordhaus take, took over as vocalist. Uh, he was on Light of Day, but he put his stamp on the band's Sound and Style, I think, on the later albums, Blessing in Disguise, Quiet Offspring. Also, another important in the woods alumnus enters at this point, uh, guitarist Bjorn Harstad came in on Light of Day. He was on the amazing, godly Omnio album and also the Live at Caledonian Hall performance. Yeah, and then we get the fourth Green Carnation album, Quiet Offspring. And by this time, the only in the woods alumnus was bassist Stein Roger Sordahl. And this guy was only in In the Woods for the later, kind of the last live shows they would do in uh, the Caledonian Hall, Farewell Live release and performance. So that's that's the family tree there. Now, Quiet Offspring is an album that I owned for a long, long time. I, I think I shed it earlier this year. It, it has one or two really good songs, and I think the rest is this kind of lame post-alternative yep. veering into almost dad-rocky sort of stuff. I mean, the themes are intelligent. It's, it's got a, a level of sophistication we would expect from Green Carnation, but it doesn't really work for me. What about you?
0: You, you, you know, I, I got rid of it years ago, but yeah, but it has one of my favorite Green Carnation songs ever. Which we're gonna play, it's called Purple Door Pitch Black, and I actually again, got I feel like I'm just teething on biography here, but like I remember you playing this for me at um at your place in Virginia, um hmm. and because you worked for the end at the time, yeah, and I remember like as soon as it came out, I ordered it just on the strength of this song, um <laughs> I, it, it's a ama- it is an amazing piece, I and I, I want to say what it's always reminded me of. And I haven't ever gotten anyone to agree with me on this so maybe listeners maybe I can find a kindred spirit in the lot of you but this song reminds me like if Rick Astley decided to do like a prog metal tune
2: hmm
1: well with that in mind let's take a listen to purple door pitch black Yeah, that's undeniably awesome. That dude, that song is a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ju- it just is. It's one of those. I, I I say this too often. That perfect world. If it were a perfect world, and and um, truly great songs became hit singles. This would be one.
0: Oh man, dude, that would own radio.
1: Yeah, yeah. They and like we've mentioned already, we you know they've had a few like that. Crushed to dust. Uh, there's a couple more on blessing in disguise. Yeah. Uh, Burden is mine alone. I, they really had that. They started to wind down activity after the acoustic versus album. And right now they're only playing sporadically. I, I'm not sure what their status is, but I just know that, you know, a couple of years ago, they took the light of day, day of darkness album on the road for mostly festivals. I got lucky enough to see that uh, the weekend that fate's warning did awaken the guardian, uh, in Atlanta, 2016. And yeah. Yeah. Bo- bo- both of those were the clear highlights of, of not only the weekend, but perhaps my life awaken was, beyond words I, I don't even want to go into it right now but it was great uh green carnation was even better than i expected they nailed it they they, they killed and they even threw some kind of newer parts there's just some nuanced differences into the into the tune um in certain passages pretty pretty damn mind-blowing
0: gail if you're listening and i hope you are you son of a bitch i miss both of those performances to demo songs for your black metal band
1: <laughs> gale being the bassist for canvas Elias yes. as well yeah who is, who yeah. is a
0: listener of the show
1: but i, I, I was going to gonna ask where you he is a listener i was going to ask where you were that weekend well, we, now now you've reminded me i thought you were out eating biscuits somewhere. No,
0: we dude we ate bagels on sunday morning remember we all met <laughs> at we Muir. that's right
1: yeah. that's right we yeah. did Yeah, we did meet up and you were yeah but gale had you in his clutches yeah he did um, as
0: he's yeah so want to do
1: I hope he's happy. Oh, well, I love
0: him. I do it because I love him. But I mean, in 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 retrospect, I'm a little bitter.
1: Yeah. No. It was it was it was an amazing experience, and um, mm. there you go, Green Carnation, dude. Even uh, even I Matt
0: thought. Johnson, who I also love very dearly, who yep. can usually yeah. put put a negative spin on like Santa Claus, you know, even Matt had nothing. You sound like hold on hold on,
1: hold on. can I hold up? You, you let's continue that story. But you sound like you're eating right now. Are you eating a biscuit? Oh, God.
0: Dang it. I was chewing a bit of,
1: uh, bit of ice. You <laughs> <thinking laughs> know how you do this radical research. You <laughs> shoot, shoot the ice. Yeah.
0: Hey, hey. What well, you, you get, well, looking at? I'm just over here chewing ice.
1: You're cracking at me, aren't <laughs> All
0: right. Anyway, continue your anyway, story. I'm sorry. You know, Matt, we both love him. Matt can be um, critical at times of even the best things. say, oh, I don't know. Rust in, in peace. peace. Or, or <laughs> Black Sabbath's warm up between 1970 and 1980. Hey, hey it's a warm up. <laughs> they, were, they were getting their sea legs. Before yeah. They started making real music. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. even Matt. Love Matt. Love Matt. Even, I, I love him too, a lot. But even in Matt's estimation, like this performance was unimpeachable. I mean, yeah, was just per- and, and Tim too. Tim was there, and he was just like Tim was. Yeah, a- he said it was just transcendent.
1: It was. It was. It, it was one of those where you looked around the room and you knew that not everybody was familiar, but they just won everybody over. I don't think anybody left. It wasn't. You know, there was no mass exodus for the doors. Right. right? It. It just. It. It yeah. captured everybody. And yeah. yeah, God bless Green Carnation, the, uh, the most popular offshoot from the In the Woods family tree. Yeah, sure. We're going to move on to perhaps the most obscure one or one, one of the most obscure ones, um, Stilla Uproar. Uh, that translates into English as Silent Rebellion. This is a short-lived band formed by Christer Andre Sederberg. Uh, we're in a different In the Woods era with Christer. He was in In the Woods for their 1998 album Strange and Stereo, another one we completely love. Played on the new songs featured on the Three Times Seven on a Pilgrimage collection and joined them on the Caledonian Hall release, which we've mentioned already quite a bit. He's also the main force in Drawn, but we'll get to that later. Still a uproar only released two full lengths. The first was a self released album in 2001. And then in 2008, the Karma Cosmic label, which was run by mostly members of Into Woods, as I understand. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that was extant from 2003 to 2016. But on that label, Karma Cosmic, Stilla Uproar released the great S.02 album. And that was it. That's all we heard from That's them. It. This is a band that I got into recently thanks to you. You just kind of dropped in and said, hey, you should check this out. Hey, man,
0: have you How you long? ever heard Mew? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and also my wife is currently pissed off at me because... I never played her into another. Or, or now or she's godly cream, and now she's just mad about a lot of things.
1: Oh, I love, right. that. I I love that! you got a, I your wife into godly pissing cream, pissing
0: people off by by way of deprivation.
1: Well, you don't. But you don't know. You didn't know if I was going to be into Mew. You didn't know if she was going to be into it into Dude, Mew, But I should
0: have guessed that you would be into Mew. I mean, how? Yes, let, you, you should. That's on, on me, man. Let's move yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, okay, you got to right, move cool, on. Cool. Let's, let's play some music. going to come to yeah.
1: fisticuffs here. No, but still out more. How long? <laughs> oh! no, no, you don't know, you don't mention the Braves in this house. uh, what about still uproar how How long had you been into them before you decided to tell me? Um
0: about I, f- probably about nine years <laughs> um so yeah, no, there used to be this guy that post in fact he used to be uh the moderator for uh the p m x board this guy named Neil and he had really cool taste. He was like super into all the you know the post norwegian stuff. And a lot of other stuff. He was just a, like he seemed to have really cool, cool instincts. And like, yeah, he got onto this like really, really early because I guess he was pretty keen on any kind of like post in the woods activity. Um, and right. I, I, I heard it and I like just connected with it immediately. And, and, and obviously Let's, you did too, yeah. you know.
1: For sure, yeah, yeah. I was blown away when I when I finally got it. Let's listen to a little bit from the first track, "L Tune."
0: Was uh, still an uproar um, from their 2008 record S.02. 02. I feel like there is in this this lineage of of in the woods yeah. uh, in the woods bands um, that sort of favor the beautiful, you know, ethereal pastoral side of in the woods.
1: Yeah, yeah and in the woods themselves i i think had a pretty heavy pink floyd influence yeah. uh even even with the black metal they, there would be breaks and moments where you were like okay they're into live at pompeii they're into metal you know that sort of uh era for for floyd
2: um but
0: yeah i mean but like none of these bands um that we're discussing tonight like continue any kind of extreme metal thread really
1: not even drawn yeah
0: not even drawn i mean it, it's and, and when you you know, when we play drawn later, it's obviously metal, but there's still sort of a preoccupation with beauty. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, for and, sure. and psychedelia deployed in, you know, interesting, unexpected ways.
1: But even in the woods who, you know, love their demo Isle of Man, love Heart of the Ages album. Even then, they left that pretty quickly. Thereafter, yeah. they were something other. They were not quite, you know, black metal. They were certainly post black metal for Omnio for strange and stereo and for the, uh, the new stuff on three times seven on a pilgrimage. You know, the singles that came out were covers of things by Jefferson airplane and King Crimson. And, and, uh, and holy. I think
0: it should be said, we're not going to play it tonight, obviously, because it's in the woods and not, uh, an act associated with in the woods, but in the woods cover of King Crimson's epitaph is one of the most amazing covers one of the most amazing pieces of music you'll ever hear.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean it's,
0: it's yeah. really uh, just incredible.
1: Yeah, I I love what they did with the floating guitar and that yeah. that just hypnotic sound weaving through the whole thing and everything else about it. it. It's it's fantastic. So we've talked about Floyd that lilting kind of melancholy aspect to L tune, and then just the sort of like craftsmanship of the song, like how how well yeah. written that thing is, and really every song on the album kind of puts me in mind of anathema totally totally. and interestingly christer andre actually played bass on anathema's weather systems and distant satellites which when i got those albums i I guess probably the weather systems one and was looking at the credits i thought oh wait a minute i I think is that the in the woods guy and then i looked it up and sure enough it was not sure even how that happened but i'm glad it did (laughs) because what a what a what a great little factoid I, i i think we both Really enjoy that. That uh this in the woods guy, this still Uproar guy was you know an honorary (laughs) member. Anathema for a while. Yeah. Pretty great. Another another thing in listening to L tune that I think about is the band Perfect Beings. I hear some of that kind of more contemporary, alternative, modern prog in L tune the way I do in Perfect Beings which is a great band. Three albums out there if you've not heard of them. But I get a little whiff of Perfect Beings and and Still Uproar. Let's move on to um, Reconnect. This is another tune from S.02. reconnect by still up uproar uh, i have to say cedarberg's vocals do remind me a little bit of jan kenneth's the singer for in the woods and i hear some of that in drawn to the point that i would always look at the credits on those albums or the album and the ep and wonder where jan kenneth was at oh. Apparently he's not there, exactly. uh, and I even hear it on some of the Green Carnation stuff where there's no Yon Kenneth. He's only on subtle moments in um, Light of Day, uh, but I but I feel like I hear him in the, on the first reincarnation album. He's not there, so it's a, it's kind of weird that like I, I wonder if just Yon Kenneth had just laid this groundwork or laid the gauntlet for how these sort of vocals would be delivered okay, gotcha. in the in. The <laughs> In, in, in the In The Woods universe, right? right? It's like, this is how it's done, right? A crash
0: course in melancholy Norwegian music.
1: And just really delivering it with an emotive beauty yeah. that very few people ha- have the power to do. I you know, I think that's the thing about Jan Kenneth. And, and I, I think you know, the
0: uh, the tie to anathema is telling, though. Because I think that, like, I at least on this album, I hear this very flirtatious relationship with a lot of like melancholy, modern British rock, like doves and elbow. Um, Yeah. I think anathema is tied into that tradition somehow now. Um, Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I, I think there's a, it's weird. It's like this, you know, Norwegian band. And I mean, we, this, you know, this music is sort of emblematically Norwegian, but I think it has a very powerful English stamp on it as well.
1: Great point. Great point. Uh, and they all drag along some, some level of Pink Floyd influence, which is, of course, a very English-sounding band. So um, Yeah, that, that's a yeah, great the point, it. actually.
0: It's like maybe they're just all, you know, they've all caught the Pink Floyd spore, you know? Uh,
1: I think yeah, I nice. think this is probably a very foundational band for all of them. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're going to come back to Chris or Andre in a little bit. But for now, let's talk about Jan Kenneth a little bit more. He was in this band called Nervair. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but this was, if I'm just going to like put it in a simple nutshell, I think Nervair was probably Jan Kenneth's way to get out a little bit of his Death in June proclivities. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what I hear. I hear this kind of neo-folk, brooding, dark, but very quiet and very patient music. There's a lot of spaces in Nervair music.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it is a complete uh, detour. It's probably the most um, radical shift that we'll encounter tonight.
2: Yeah, very, yeah, 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 it uh,
0: is, um, as you say, very patient, often acoustic entirely.
1: And I also think of something that's almost ritualistic or at least meditative, yeah, right? Totally. Uh, and
0: and, and also vulnerable.
1: Very vulnerable. Yep. Let's check out something from the one and only Nervair album that came out in 2001. Uh, it was called Skiftninga. This is a song called To Plan. Pretty minimal there. And I want to move on. Uh, the Skiftinger album is interesting. And I find that if I'm in the right headspace, it really works. But there was one song that they released on a seven inch, and for me, more importantly, on a compilation that is the ultimate Nervair experience. I, I think it's um, one of the most emotional musical experiences I could ever have. It's at the top of my favorite songs of all time list. It's a song called Ensom, which I believe translates to One That. I'm not sure. If that's a proper translation, I'm not sure if that makes much sense. But I suppose it, it would go hand in hand with Nervair's very, very personal, introspective approach. ensom for me, appeared on the Two Magic compilation that Prophecy put out uh, way back in 2000. And it just has this hypnotic, kind of withering passion that I feel every time I get deep down with it. Just a very magic power, very, very special uh, hated, hated, hated to take out some kind of snippet from its six and a half minute duration, but just had to do it. Uh, we're going to glance at it. I also hate to do that, but we're going to do that here. Um, I've tried, tried to highlight a peak moment in this calm, meditative, incredible song, which I think clearly shows Jan's cathartic, emotive vocals at their very, it's, very best.
0: It, you know, it's one of those moments that goes beyond technical capacity to like reach an even higher plane.
1: And I think we're going to hear something that speaks exactly to that within this song. We'll talk it out a little bit after we um, return. Please trust me that the whole six minute, 40 seconds is really one of the most meditative and affecting pieces of music you can listen to. I, I hope uh, people out there, I'd like to hear from anybody who's connected with that song. But there's a pureness to that. There's a pureness to Nervair in general. But I think that like, even when you hear him shoot it up pretty high and his voice kind of does this cracking thing, they left that in there. And I think that's just speaking to the kind of of the moment element to Nerveer, right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, capturing a, a moment of pure emotional outpouring, you know, it's like, yes, let's not worry about the, you know, the technical details of the performance. Let's not worry about any of that. Like this was a moment of pure inspiration, and really, and like, I mean, it, you know, we live in a very cynical world where it's very easy, easy to like to dismiss something like that. But like, this is no bullshit. Like, this is a guy literally feeling his performance. And we, the listener, are privileged to be a part of something that's to me like very, very intimate.
1: Extremely intimate. Very well said. I think it's glorious. And and for the record, he does hit that second time around because that passage comes back in the song and he hits it and then it becomes even more glorious because you're like, okay, he's kind of working into it and then he's nailing it now. Also heard in that song is Sin Larson, uh, a.k.a. Sin Soprana. She is the female voice in In the Woods, uh, really a key component of their sound, Uh, a remarkable vocal character in her own right, also heard on early Green Carnation. Uh, And that's Nervair. So obviously for Jan Kenneth in the woods was his main and most well-known vehicle uh, that we had a band called Soxpan, um, this pretty awful groove metal thing that was released in 2004. Have you ever listened to this thing? I have not. You're not missing out. Um, <laughs> Nervair, of course, who we just listened to and we, we both love. And then he came out with what might as well be called a solo album under the name of Transit.
2: Mm.
0: This is another one of those things, sort of like Green Carnation, where had the artist been maybe not associated with a weird metal band or whatever. In in some ideal world, this album would be huge. Um, um, we're going to play a couple of tracks from them. You know, I hear in this band, I hear Queens of the Stone Age. I hear Nick Cave. I hear Mark Lanigan solo stuff. Um, yeah. I hear maybe even Trace's of like 16 Horsepower. I, I hear a lot of really, really badass stuff in this band
1: it, it does get into the alt country world uh, a little bit
0: it does yeah. it does but it. but it, but it, it's also sort of shaped by the southern gothic and I, I'd, I'd be interested to maybe know what jan's dealings were in that world i hear flannery o'connor and eudora welty and you know uh, i hear like a, a very sort of fatalistic view of the world which is if you if you grew up in the south, like kind of faded with that.
1: <laughs> they were they were from the southernmost point of Norway.
0: That, that's true. They're, like they're basically southern.
1: Yeah, he probably loves biscuits.
0: I bet he does. Jonny, <laughs> you know, butter. Before we
1: here. listen to Transit, though, I, you know, if you think about his three, well, let's even talk about Soxpan, the four main bands that he was in: in the Woods, Soxpan, Pan, and Transit. They're all so totally different from each other. It's very totally. difficult to like find a total thread amongst these these bands. So you know, hats off to him. He's not doing much music anymore, unfortunately. But you know, what what he gave us is pretty profound.
0: If you you turned me on to this, and I, I was shocked by
1: it. It's different. It's definitely not in the realm of in the woods proper. Let's listen to a track from Decent Man on a Desperate Moon. This is a little bit from a song called "Bleed on Me."
3: I can see the rain pouring from your life. Hold on, larger than life will overcome. Since you've been down, you've been cracking up all along. And you've been jamming on that sad old song. I feel your pain ringing through my... It's all But there's a love in the middle It's just a bad day That's gone wrong But it seems seems alright Cause you've known it all along But it seems alright But it seems okay When you feel old oh man When you suck me dry And you bleed on oh man
0: well, all- This might sound weird, but I always imagined this song as like the outro music for like some shitty network show, like a cop <laughs> show or something.
1: It does sound weird.
0: I mean, really, though, like, and, and I think if you close your eyes, you might I be able can. to see that. Yeah, you know, like, and, I mean, I'm not disparaging it. I like, I love the song to death, but I mean, it's got a commercialism about it, and like, a, like a like a sort of uh, marketable melancholy that I think could translate into some larger audience. But like we've said that earlier, like there've been so many missed commercial opportunities with this band. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Here's another one, right?
0: Yeah. So uh, we're going to play one more song by transit. This is a bit different, definitely drifts into that sort of Gothic Southern alt country thing and reveals yet another side to this very, very fascinating band. Uh, in the woods and reveals, you know, the many interests that uh, are held within this
1: band. And we're going to do something we don't often do. This is, we're going to play the song in its entirety because we can. Uh, this is You and Me and Then Some.
0: Tell me that if uh, Queens of the Stone Age didn't record that, it wouldn't be huge. <laughs>
1: you know? uh, I will tell you that because I, I agree with you. Yeah, man, uh, the one and only Transit album, "Decent Man on a Desperate Moon."
0: <laughs> I love that title too.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I guess it's considered a solo album because he wrote the songs, and of course, he's you know he's such a focal point with his vocals. There were a few Vocal inner- with the vocals. Focal with the vocals. Shit. <laughs> There are <laughs> we're so white. Uh, <laughs> there were a few In the Woods alumni on this album, as you may have guessed, uh, the most prominent being Christer Andre Cederberg. And uh, we, of course, have talked about him with Still a Uproar. We're going to talk about him again, because we're going to get back to sort of the more metal side of the In the Woods family tree. This is Christer Andre Cederberg's first band before he was even in the woods, and we lament that this band only released one full-length and an EP that preceded it called Plan B. Why don't we take a listen to Plan B? We're going to take a listen to three snippets from this band because I think we have a bit of a soft spot for Drawn, if, if I'm not mistaken. am definitely mistaken. Yeah. yeah. We're going to listen to the final moments of the Plan B EP song called This Is My Day. Of note, there is uh, the other vocalist, Celia Bertelsen, and I'm not sure if she's been on any other albums. Um, I suspected for a long time that she was Sin soprano from In the Woods, just under a different name. But um, apparently, they're two very different people, but very similar delivery. Where they really, um, they um, they take great care to um, get up there in the soprano range.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're ambitious.
1: Yes. So Drawn went on to record one full length called A New World, or A New World? A New World? A New World. What? With the question mark. When When did you become aware of this album? This has become kind of a cult favorite for a lot of people. So you you and
0: Mike G used to have this kind of like thing in the late 90s where like he would review, you know, like – uniformly shitty albums and you would review like somewhat interesting albums yeah, but you know what I, I do have a bone to pick with you because because of this column um i ended up buying an in battle record
2: <laughs>
1: yeah who yeah. i was into it for about 30 seconds yeah well
0: yeah good for you because i wasted hard-earned like money on that shit man i was like in my teens okay was, like, be, be responsible jeff <laughs> <laughs> people are losing money i like marduk I don't like In Battle.
1: Right. Which is <laughs> anyway. exactly what In Battle was trying to do was the fastest Marduk material, but faster. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So, like, but you did uh, talk about Drawn in your typically compelling way, which would, like, influence me to buy an In Battle record. Just saying. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I bought it, fell in love with it immediately. Yeah. It was exactly what I wanted to hear at that time. I mean, like, the late 90s, you know, I mean, Soul of Falls mayhem transforming. Yeah. There's just a lot of really, you know, interesting stuff going on and drawn's totally a part of all that. And this is a really, I mean, if there's any sort of like evangelical component to this show, like I hope that it inspires people to check out this album
1: yeah most definitely most definitely and uh, i think when it came along it was like oh wow there's another band in norway that's like in the woods i mean of course no surprise the guy ended up in in the woods uh, (laughs) in in anathema for a time but yeah really great album still holds up too i I just think it's a a marvelous album that um i I keep hearing new things in it every time i listen to it it's one of those it is like
0: exceptionally nuanced
1: it really is and i think it balances rawness with sophistication really 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 well uh, yeah you know, that's a,
0: that's a great point it yeah it does have a sort of you know youthful ferocity about it too
1: for sure they're they're kind of like these um maybe black metal kids kind of transitioning into serious progressive music right um, but still just not able to let go of of that rawness and and that ferocity. Um, This is a little bit from the very first song on the album called Rivuela Form.
0: I think of all the things that we've played tonight, Green Carnation included, you can hear the deepest spiritual link to In the Woods from this. The expansive song structures, you know, the drama, uh, the dynamics, all those things that they kind of define In the Woods for me and you and for everyone else.
1: I wonder where Chris or Andre was during, say, the Omnio period because that was when Drawn formed and started making their first recordings. And then shortly after that, he joined the band and was on the 1999 album Strange and Stereo. A New World was released in 99 as well. So right. there's a lot of parallels there and it, it, it does seem uh, almost like a companion band to In the Woods.
0: I, I think so too. Yeah, like, I mean, the others seem like pretty conspicuous detours. Yes. But but yeah, like, you know, Drawn is very much kind of paralleled with Omnio in the woods.
1: Very much, very much. Let's listen to another example of that in a song that comes later on the album. This is a bit from Ascape.
0: escape so much
2: <laughs> yeah
0: you know you hear things that are linked directly to in the woods like that sort of you know psychedelic uh wah guitar that you have at the end but oh, then yeah. there are other things like more modern things like the the sort of asymmetrical unison rhythms in the off-time rhythms that you hear between the guitar and the bass and the drums which are you know more than in the woods really
1: yeah, they were they were sort of like, um, I think of a Venn diagram between In the Woods and Drawn, and they meet in the middle somewhere, yet they have their own unique components as well. That's right. Um, too bad that Drawn didn't go on longer. And of course, you know he was later doing the uh, still uproar thing, and then even later, Anathema. Curious to keep following what this guy's doing, if he's going to do much more. I don't know. It seems like a lot of these people from In the Woods have fallen off, except Cobra, who seems uh, content on... Uh, <laughs> Keeping the name alive.
0: (laughs) Comfort is basically like the new Charlie
1: (laughs) D'Angelo. Right. Who saw that coming? Um, But there you have it. The In the Woods Family Tree. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you buy these records uh, either on Discogs, Amazon, wherever you like to buy your physical music. We're always really encouraged to hear about um, our listeners who deeply value the experience of music, the event that it is uh with physical music and uh, we know that some of you a lot of you uh are are still buying your music physically so um fortunately for you and kind of unfortunately i think for the artists these these things can be gotten really cheap (laughs) this is another um tale sort of similar to some of the other bands we've talked about on past episodes where um they're just not popular enough uh and, and the rarity isn't such that uh these things go for humongous amounts so um get out there and buy these if you can And thanks for listening. For our next episode, number 40, we're going to remain in Norway and we're going to swing to the furthest extreme in looking deeply into Gorgoroth's fifth and we say best album in Kip It Satan. This album marked a bold, stylistic expansion for Gorgoroth, easily their most progressive piece of work, and one that we can't wait to get our ears and claws into next time.
2: Super,
0: super excited. This is a band that has been, like, at least in our estimation, grossly mischaracterized as a sort of reactionary, traditional black metal band. Sure, all the signifiers are there. All the foundations are there. This band was always more high-minded than that. We're not going to talk about a ton about the early stuff. We will, to some degree. We'll talk about Destroyer the album that precedes this, that, (laughs) and the album
1: that I think you've mentioned on 17 different episodes. Well,
0: I mean, it's one of my (laughs) favorite albums. I think it's one of the most fascinating pieces of music ever. Yeah. Um, I think it's super fucking radical, but we're going to get even more radical, both in our listening and our research. (laughs) when We delve into and it Satan. Also apologies to Gaul. He mispronounces it. There are no soft consonants in Latin. Jeff told you right. It's in Kippit. It's not in Sipit.
1: Yeah, I might as well nip that in the bud because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people like, why? Why are they saying in Kippit?
0: Well, you know, do your research, folks.
1: Do it radical. Do it radical. (laughs)